Welcome to the Bucket Problem episode four. I am your host, Ace Ambender. We are brought to you, as always, by Homefield Apparel. I'll get it out of the way up front. Use promo code BUCKETPROBLEM at homefieldapparel.com for 15% off of your first purchase. Today, uh, which is evidently uh, perhaps the worst day of Donald Trump's life, uh, at least on the evening that we are recording this, uh, we are going to dive into uh, some vibes and, and just sprint right past the reference I made to a, a certain article in a certain magazine uh, originating from New York. So I wanted a jumping off point for kind of like how we're approaching this season, because obviously um, it's a little complicated being a Michigan fan right now. And so I posted a poll on Twitter uh, this morning, ran it for a solid 10 hours, got a healthy 1,400-ish responses, and it asked a, a pretty simple question, uh, which is, for Michigan fans specifically, how are you feeling approaching football season? There were four options. Excitement, it's football. Lukewarm anticipation. Indifference and dread. The final results. In fourth place, excitement. It's football at 18.4%. Hooray! <laughs> In third place, dread at an even 20%. So at least dread did not finish in the top two. Um, we, we could be thankful for that. Uh, lukewarm antici- anticipation uh, was edged out in second at 29.9%. That was my vote. By indifference leading the way <laughs> at 31.8%. Uh, so that, I mean, obviously, it is a Twitter poll. We are sampling from my Twitter followers. I don't want to try to do whatever analysis it takes analysis it takes to figure out how that would have affected the poll. But um, I think it's safe to say that Michigan fans are generally not charging into this season as excited as they have been in the past. And that is rather understandable. Um, I got, you know, people sent some responses uh, when I put out this poll. And just to kind of get a feel for what some people were saying, uh, let's let's go to the tweets uh, from at Wade Goodell. I answered excitement because football. But I'm really more in between excitement and lukewarm. So great, even because even the high-end answers have some qualifications. I have no real expectations, so that helps. The NBA playoffs showed me how much better sports are with a live audience. I feel obligated to say, I work in healthcare. I have reservations about the cramming of 100,000 people into Michigan Stadium, given the current plateau of vax rates. But I'm fully vaxxed, and my first game back, I'll be damned if I'm not going to get chills at band take the field. Uh, next one is from at Better Call Gall. Football season starting means we're that much closer to basketball season starting. Uh, That's a reply that, uh, you know, right up my alley. (laughs) From at Ralph Siff, uh, some total of my Michigan experience has allowed me to let go of the football program, which now seems mediocre on the field and gross off of it. Plenty more from my Ann Arbor days resonates as what I hold on to. From at Daft Podunk, uh, representing the largest contingent of voters, Indifferent, but mostly to, due to the university and football program's responses to the Anderson slash Bo stuff and the team's long-documented stream, string of underperformance and failure on the field. Uh, from at Kevin Mack 21, this may not make much sense, but it's honest, honestly a combination of option one and honest option four, excitement and dread all in one. And from our friend at Hoover Street, I am proud of myself for having moved past dread. 
but I'm not sure indifference was the right answer as much as it's morbid curiosity. He was the one who put the question mark in there. I just want to uh, make that clear. Uh, so those were th- that was the main sampling of uh, voter responses. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I'll try to start with where I'm at, and then and then we can go from there because. I mean, my last two posts in the newsletter have been about how Michigan feels uh, very desperate in their attempts to offload tickets, and also that Michigan has done uh, or continues to do a pretty outwardly horrible job of managing the uh, Bo Schembechler, Robert Anderson situation. And I, I think based on you know what I'm writing about currently, people would think that I am approaching this somewhere between indifference and dread. And to be honest, uh, I'm feeling a general level of excitement, in part just uh, for kind of personal reasons about the way I'll be watching games, but also because, yes, there are going to be fans of the stands again, and Michigan has some fun players, and after just how depressingly weird the 2020 season was, totally beyond Michigan going 2-4, and it's going to be nice to just, uh, I'd sure hope, have something that uh, looks and feels like a football Saturday that we're accustomed to. And that, to me, does a lot to cover for some of the football-related concerns. Uh, so, Connor, I'll start with you. Is that, is that kind of where you're at? Yeah, I'm known for being an optimist, uh, I think, about Michigan football. And I'm starting to temper that a little bit this year because, you know, last year exposed so many structural flaws in the program, everything from personnel to strategy to whatever else. But I'm excited. I I think, you know, (laughs) it's unlikely to me that the product on the field will be anywhere near as bad as it was last year. If it is, we'll be having a very different kind of conversation on this show. But I look forward to a real season, like Ace said. Um, because the experience of watching last year, I don't think I'm alone in this. The experience of watching football last year was alone in my dingy, depressing apartment, often with wildfire smoke, like seeping through the windows, um, and watching some of the most inexplicably kind of baroquely bad college football I've ever seen and watching players whom I know many of whom will play in the NFL or even going to play this season, just look as if they were not coached or didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. It was surreal, I think, at at a lot of points. And I think we said that last year on the Ace Pod. But I really think it can't be emphasized enough. There was a sense of unreality about last season. Uh, And this is where Michigan State fans are going to jump in and say, you can't pretend it wasn't real. It all really happened. (laughs) And it did. It did. As, as, as As strange and unnerving as it was to watch that game on Halloween, for instance, it did happen. But I I do think that there's something to be said for trying to have what we hope will be an honest, wholesome Michigan football season and hopefully without the same level of existential dread as last year. Alex, uh, are you feeling the existential dread or is uh, the black bile at a, at a relative low point right now? You know, if you can't get excited about the team before the season, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> Coming in with a sense of dread – makes me wonder if it's really a healthy emotional thing. Like if you can't get excited about your team at least a little bit before the season and, you know, by the time opening kickoff rolls around, talk yourself into some things working that, you know, deep down might not work. Um, 
I don't know. I think coming in with a sense of excitement is sort of the right way to do it in terms of, um, you know, feeling good about the season and, and just making it an enjoyable experience. College football is supposed to be fun. And yeah, I don't know. The black bile isn't, isn't a good preseason vibe for me. I'm, I'm feeling personally lukewarm anticipation. I think part of that is to a degree, um, a strategic detachment from following the team too closely. And I, this is the first year I didn't buy Phil Steele in, in quite some time. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go to Ann Arbor again, see a game in person and, you know, hopefully see a team that exceeds expectations. Yeah. I mean, I think you're one of the points you made in there is very much worth emphasizing, which is this is supposed to be fun. Like this is, we're choosing to do this. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to watch the game if it's going to make you angry or upset. Like if you think the team is going to be bad and you're already getting upset about that in July, um, yeah, you don't, you don't have to watch. Like there, I feel like for some people, they have a hard time separating their emotions from, you know, the, the outcome on the field. Yeah. It's, it obviously sucks to watch them lose, like watching say the Wisconsin game or the Michigan state game last year. That was no fun at all. But if that's something that just ruins your mood for a couple months following the team, um, yeah, it's it's not a real happy way to consume. Yeah, what should be a fun project or fun product, um, it, you know, it's college kids playing football. It's not life or death. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I don't think any of us are saying you have to, you know, grit your teeth and slap a smile on your face through all sixty minutes of the Ohio State game, no matter how poorly it starts going, and keep your eyes glued to the screen and you know throw some pom poms in the air. But there are, I think, you know, ways to approach how to kind of consume the sport, whether it's altering your game day routine, especially since so many of us had it disrupted anyway in the past year, or um, if there is a certain level of emotional detachment that's required, then uh, fine, that that might be healthy in some cases. And there are, I mean, it's not like we haven't been uh, unused to following teams that uh, were not particularly great, at least by traditional Michigan standards, but still had fun players that were uh, that that made it very much worth following the team. I mean, Denard Robinson played on some of the worst Michigan teams in program history, and it was still an absolute joy to watch him the entire time. Uh, there were there were even some great moments uh, that I will. One of my favorite games I was ever at as a student was the 2008 Wisconsin game. And part of the reason that memory is so great is because Michigan set the bar so low that it was wildly unexpected uh, for that whole second half to happen. And we began taking joy in things like, oh, like Stephen Threep just popped 60 yard d- yards downfield and nobody could have ever possibly seen that coming. And we're literally <laughs> laughing in the stands, and this has become like part comedy, but that's fine. Like that, I mean, you approach it the way that like the situation kind of calls for it to be to be looked at. And with Michigan right now, I understand uh, a lot of the trepidation to throw full throated support behind the program as a whole, uh, because I mean, like I wrote this week, I think. Jim Harbaugh has uh, quite a bit to apologize for re- with his comments regarding Bo Beckler and supporting him. Uh, same goes for 
Jim Brandstatter, and those guys are employed by the athletic department, tied to the football team, and it's tough to ignore their presence, uh, especially if nothing changes before the season on that front in terms of uh, addressing the Robert Anderson and Bo Schembechler stuff, because uh, the athletic department certainly needs to have a more public reckoning with that, If uh, especially if say, the head coach of the program is uh, going to run his mouth about it. Uh, but at the same time, there's there's a team that I still think is... I, I don't think you... I don't think it takes away from, like, the focus on the Anderson scandal and holding the university accountable to also watch the football team and even have some fun doing it. I don't think those are mutually exclusive things. I sure hope they aren't because I am going to try to enjoy some football this fall. At the end of the day, college football is more about the players than the coaches to me anyways. Like watching young athletes who are super talented, you know, grow and achieve their potential and succeed on the field as part of the university community that, you know, so many of us have a close bond to. I think that it's easier for me to say, hey, I really am excited to see Aiden Hutchinson play and I'm excited to see you know, a bunch of other young, talented players get opportunities that they didn't have last year in what was, you know, the most bizarre and unusual season that any of us have ever seen. So yeah, to me, I'm personally not super optimistic that the university will reckon with the Anderson scandal and, um, you know, Harbaugh's comments, for example, in an appropriate way. But yeah, that's something that I'm sure you'll keep talking about. And I, you know, I'm sure that the survivors will, uh, keep speaking up about it as well, you know, as litigation continues on that. Yeah. I want to echo what Alex said, which is the, that ongoing scandal is really important and that reckoning will be ongoing. And I don't think we'll see the last chapter of that reckoning written before the season kicks off in like six weeks here. Um, but that, with all that being said, I, I think it's super important to say, yeah, it is ultimately about the players. Like ultimately this is about, uh, enjoying a bunch of super talented young people putting forth their best effort and going out there and doing something pretty, you know, pretty heroic, pretty impressive, even when the results aren't great. Um, I think if we can let ourselves, like one of the things I follow a lot of players on Instagram and like, I'm always being reminded by various things that they're doing. It's like, these guys are incredibly gifted and they're at the top of what they do. And it's easy to lose track of that as a Michigan fan because Michigan has so much NFL talent on its team and so many really gifted guys that when we're a disappointing season, we tend to think like, oh, our players are actually terrible. Like, no, we're we're very lucky like to have to, to assemble the teams we have to watch these guys play. I think a sense of gratitude towards the players is always in order. Yeah, and I, I mean, one of the things that I I find kind of most. I guess unfortunate about the way this season is kind of setting up for Michigan specifically is that, you know, the the indifference is at a high point right as this is the first time you really can show your direct support for the players in a lot of ways uh, beyond just showing up as a fan. You can, I mean, the MDEN is sh- selling jerseys with players' names on them right now, current players. You can go get them for guys up and down the depth chart. And I know that certainly when I was in undergrad, I would have been jumping all over that, not just because, you know, I was buying jerseys around that time anyway to, to wear to the games. And I would have been so excited to be able to support 
Denard Robinson specifically instead of just getting a jersey that had 16 on it and no name on the back, uh, which always felt sort of, I don't know, bootleg anyway. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that people will, despite their... Uh, I'm hoping people will be able to separate their disappointment in the institution with the fact that there are still people within this institution and especially with the, the students and, uh, in this case, the football players in this program who are still... They still very much deserve support. And... That support can come in another number of ways. One of them is just watching, but also it's you know, hey, maybe maybe get a cameo at this point. Um, you know, it's uh, or or buy a jersey or you know one of the shirts that these players are selling or whatever. Because I I know Michigan fans have a taste for that uh, level of stuff in normal years anyway. I mean, it, Michigan sells a ton of apparel, so I I want to see these players do well off of this and they i mean as connor mentioned they are even at you know the college level near the pinnacle um even if we are perpetually disappointed by how the team finishes in the big 10 and there's also something about that we haven't said yet about just how many hours these guys put in and i i think uh like anybody who thinks these guys have anything remotely like a normal student life, uh, I, I I hope we can dispel that notion because uh, these guys pretty much spend all their time either practicing or training or traveling or doing the whole school aspect that is is supposed to be a part of this as well, and there's very little time for anything else. So I I want to see these players supported even if... It is difficult to show that same, and, and even you know, kind of wrong to show that same support for the institution at large. I I do still believe it's possible to separate those things, and I think we need to get into our reasons for excitement for the season on that note because otherwise we're going to have a a bleak period of the podcast. But before that, I would like to do our actual ad read for Homefield. We are, as always, sponsored. Uh, buy home filled a barrel. Uh, you can use the promo code Bucket Problem for fifteen percent off your first order from Homefield at homefieldapparel.com. They are teasing a Tennessee launch, uh, which means my plea for a new product this week is to take the photo of Charles Woodson and P- P- Peyton Manning shaking hands from after the Heisman ceremony and just put that on a shirt. That's all I'm at. All I ask. It's simple. Like you can you can screen print it. I mean, it's it's that's easy. And I also have to note that we are we are getting. Uh, I have to assume I have not had a chance to peek ahead at the Tennessee collection, although I'm hearing very good things. But uh, I believe we are going to get more apparel with uh, dogs, and uh, Michigan still does not have a whiskey shirt. So uh, let's get on that. Before I harass Connor anymore, let's at least direct some business his way. So once again, that is promo code Bucket Problem for fifteen percent off your first order from Homefield Apparel. That is homefieldapparel.com. For our second segment this week, we—I mean—we are trying to bring it. We we really are. That was kind of sort of the note we left it on. Maybe not entirely uh, in the first segment, but kind of despite everything. We're, uh, I mean, I don't think we have to look that hard 
for reasons to look forward to football, because otherwise, why are we doing this? So we each picked out three reasons to look forward to football, specifically related to Michigan this season for the most part. So we'll go in whatever order you guys want, but we'll we'll go around the room. Uh, Alex, your third or your first, uh, whichever one you want to pick, what's one reason to look forward to football in 2021? So this is my biggest reason for excitement in general is just the return of in-person fan attendance and being able to go go to games again. Um, as we were recording this podcast, I saw an iMessage come through from uh, some of my college friends trying to plan which game we want to all meet up at. Um, you know, I had a lot of family go to U of M and, and you know, they love to go to the games. Um, I actually started dating my girlfriend, who's a huge Michigan fan, last fall. So we're excited to be able to go to a game together. And yeah, just, you know, my sister's a senior on campus. So, you know, for those kids to be able to enjoy, you know, something more approximating a normal college experience is going to be great. Um, I think the energy in the stadium, particularly for the Washington game, is going to be really great. And yeah, you know, just moving past, you know, I know that with the virus, the low vaccination rate, which one of your reply guys referenced, as well as, you know, Delta variant, um, you know, we're obviously not through the pandemic, but yeah, as we continue to move back towards normal, um, being able to attend a, a game at the big house, that's uh, it's a great reason to look forward to the season. Absolutely. Uh, Connor, your, your number one reason to look forward to Michigan football? So... I take on the role of kind of optimism sin eater on this podcast and say a lot of things <laughs> that might get thrown back at me. So I'll just dive right into that. And I'm here to tell you um, that I honestly think that based on personnel, Michigan could have a genuinely fun and potentially quite good offense next year. And at some point we'll do a deeper dive into why I think that I think that our position group, our draft um, that Dan and I did, shed some light on that, which is that the offense really doesn't have any weak position groups aside from maybe tight end. Um, also, you know, there's the fact that Josh Gaddis, new hire Matt Weiss from the Baltimore Ravens, and last but not least, head coach Jim Harbaugh all have to prove they can actually run a good college offense. None of those guys have, have proven that, at least for the last several years. So I am excited to see what Michigan throws out there. And if the offense is not at the very least fun, we're going to have much bigger problems to deal with. So I, I am excited to see it. Yeah. My, uh, my first, my, my second one is very similar to your first reason. I swear I wasn't copying your homework. Um, but my, my first one is a little similar to Alex's actually, but, um, a little different because obviously I have uh, I have changed jobs since the last time I was since the last time there was a football season and I guess this is breaking news I don't think I've mentioned this yet but I am not going to be doing uh, instant game recaps anymore it's uh, it's really I'll say it's a very different way to watch a game when you're taking notes and having to keep in mind that you are writing it up afterwards and it also tends to be. Um, I mean, for me, even before the experience, before the pandemic, um, games had become kind of a lonely experience because even when I managed to set up to be around friends, I was kind of either focused on the television or my laptop and didn't have much uh, room to interact with people. And so for me, I'm I'm really looking forward to just being able to 
have a have a couple friends over to the apartment, uh, throw the game on TV, and watch it with people. Because for the most part, that's been something that, um, well, the pandemic exacerbated it. Uh, that really has not been part of my Michigan football viewing experience for uh, about a decade. Um, I think the the last Michigan football game I attended uh, in person as a fan was the 2010 Connecticut game. So it's been a minute. And I'm not sure when I'm going to be back in Michigan Stadium itself. Uh, I don't know if I'll go to a game this year. I'm, I'm considering it. Uh, but at the very least, I'm really excited about uh, just having people around and watching games. And I think after last year, that's something that uh, we can all appreciate. Uh, Alex, uh, what's your number two? Okay, this one uh, kind of goes with Connor's first answer. Um, I am excited to see the inevitable emergence of talented young players. So Michigan has recruited pretty well under Jim Harbaugh. I know for the people who follow recruiting super closely, They have certain frustrations here and there, but on the aggregate, Michigan has quite a bit of talent. Uh, You look at the quarterback position and J.J. McCarthy, he's a five-star, and if he wins the starting job, you know, that could be um, the emergence of, you know, possibly the quarterback of the future in the cornerstone of the program. Uh, The running back group between Corum and Edwards has some exciting potential. I think you'll see a receiver breakout next to Ronnie Bell. And then, yeah, on the defense, you know, there are talented players like Dax Hill, who, you know, didn't have great seasons last year, but could do better in a different scheme. Um, Junior Colson, if he gets on the field, you know, he's an exciting, exciting young guy. And yeah, I think, um, you know, who knows what the season will look like as a whole, but it will be cool to see um, some guys who had, lesser roles or may not have played last year kind of grow into uh big time players and potential NFL players. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem has never been talent really. I mean, other than maybe during the rich ride era for a little bit, but uh, there are plenty of individual players that we can look forward to seeing. Uh, Connor, uh, I, I see you've, you've got the, the sunny side going with your number two. Um, what is it, man? <laughs> this is a lot more controversial. <laughs> but I am, <laughs> I am quite excited in, in all sincerity to see Michigan's new defense. And serious fans that follow closely, or anyone who remembers last year, I guess, uh, might their hackles might be up when I say that because Michigan's defense last year was one of the most hideous things I've seen in any kind of sports. Uh, the the Don Brown era, sad to say, as much as I loved him, went all the way off the rails. And to the point where it was clear that it seemed fairly clear that at least some contingent of the players was not really listening to the coaches or trusting them. And it was just, it was quite brutal to watch. Um, However, Michigan does have a really interesting new defensive coordinator in supposed whiz kid from the Ravens, Mike McDonald. He is untested. And I think it's safe to say that we're not going to get his best every year as a defensive coordinator in his first year. But he's bringing a new system, and it's the Raven system, we think, more or less. Um, and that will introduce a, 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 ver- a, a series of new looks on the defense at every level of the defense, uh, really. A lot of changes in how guys are going to be used. And I think it should be fun to watch, partly because I think McDonald's going to have guys firing off the edges all year, hopefully causing some mayhem. They, the ball might be gone by the time they arrive at the backfield, depending on how <laughs> things look further down the field or how the defensive tackles hold up. But um, 
I, I think there will be some some fun games. I think this defense will catch some people off guard because they don't have any film on it. I think McDonald will kind of be forced to be creative and fun because they don't have, you know, like it's not like he's walking into a 2016 defense like like Don Brown did with that level of talent. And I don't think the defense will be good. Like I don't think it'll be one of the best in the Big Ten or anything. But I, I'm hopeful that it won't be a total disaster, and I think it will at least be entertaining to watch, especially if it's able to trick uh, some opponents who don't know what they're looking at. Yeah, I think the defense will be interesting and exciting, but maybe not in the, the ways that we're hoping for. Exciting. Entirely possible, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it probably quite likely. Um, I just changed my number two answer because we we have worn through the ground of the offensive skill positions uh pretty well in this segment so instead i'm gonna take a hard left and go with the nothing to lose factor because there's i i don't see michigan having a lot to lose this year at least from a fan perspective what can ohio state possibly do to us that they have not done already and for that matter michigan state uh notre dame is not on the schedule uh so in terms of losses that could have an actual impact on me um, in years going forward, there just aren't that many. And meanwhile, Michigan is going to be able to go in as a, a team that, you know, Ohio State would be, it'd be, they'd, it'd be apocalyptic for them if they lost to the Michigan team. And while that is not the case for Michigan State, as uh, I might be getting into uh, a little bit later, um, you know, they'd, they'd be pretty upset to lose to this team, too, especially after how last year went, where some people are uh, talking themselves into uh, what may once again be a bad roster. We are standing by that take, even though it backfired on us last year in the actual game, because that was a bad roster. But, you know, if Michigan does great, fantastic. If Michigan doesn't do well, all right. Um, we may be looking ahead at, uh, you know, a, a real changeover in the program, a new coach and something to get excited about in that way looking forward. And so for me, I, I mean, there might be a very narrow band of in-between results that uh, could maybe bring kind of an undead Harbaugh tenure uh, to fruition. But for the most part, I, I don't think there are many like terrible outcomes for this program this year because uh, it's very easy for them to pull the ripcord. So it feels like it's pretty easy to walk into this season and go, hey, like anything good that happens is gravy and any, anything bad that happens, you know, at, at least might contribute to something good down the road. And that's that's certainly how I'm going to approach it. Alex, your number three is uh, great coming off of this. Yeah. Point, so I'm going to let you yeah. fire it off. <laughs> yeah, mine is like pretty much the complete opposite of that take. Um, we are not looking forward to the next coach. We are not writing off this current regime. My third reason to look forward to football is Harbaugh proving the haters and losers wrong. Um, yeah. It has become very fashionable to uh, hate on Jim Harbaugh and point out the fact that he's, you know, not beaten Ohio State, hasn't won a Big Ten title, hasn't made the playoff. But um, I think that there is a real chance for a turnaround that salvages the Jim Harbaugh era and pro- points to a bright future with young talented coordinators and yeah i i think harbaugh could uh he could right the ship and force everybody to eat eat a little bit of crow um 
Now we can debate as to how likely that might be, and uh, a lot will depend on how he settles the quarterback position. Um, there's a couple intriguing options there, and I think some solid quarterback play would uh, would definitely lift the floor of this team. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think there's a chance that Jim Harbaugh could be the type of like abrasive asshole, successful asshole that he was, you know, at in San Francisco and even even early on in his tenure at Michigan. He's certainly going to be putting his whole ass into it because he's got no choice at this point. Uh, the other option is uh, an anonymous exit, so uh, that that wouldn't be great for anybody. Uh, yeah, do you do you guys think that he really was trying to jump ship for the NFL last offseason? Because that was my feeling, but hey, I'm ready to, to go one more round with Jim. Michigan did give him a pretty insulting contract offer. Oh, so I would lean towards he explored his options. But uh, I also don't think it tore him up to come back. Yeah, I, I think what happened... So we were all really frustrated that he was on vacation for like six weeks, <laughs> which is very unusual for a football coach. And we were like, all right, are we going to fire this guy? Like, what's, what's going to happen with recruits? There were all these issues with it. And I think it makes sense looking back on it because it's clear he was basically doing the like stare into the waves at like four in the morning, like, uh, you know, football coaches are want to do and <laughs> like and asking himself like, all right, am I really going to go back to Michigan? And do I think this is actually going to work? Is it worth doing? I think he answered that in the affirmative because he did go out and totally revamp his staff and not just the on field staff, but analysts the recruiting department, like he really reshaped the program. He's doing his best clearly to reshape the football program to take a different direction than it has been. Um, Whether it works or not, anyone's guess. Uh, Coaches don't usually get this kind of opportunity in this era of college football to like reinvent themselves after several years at a place. So it is kind of an interesting experiment in that way. But I think he absolutely, I, I think that he, while he may have thought about leaving Michigan, certainly, you know, it would make sense. I think that he decided like, that he was going to go kind of harder than, you know, he had gone before. Um, again, will it work? I don't know. I think it would be very inspiring to watch if it did work. And I also think that the badness of Jim Harbaugh at this point is way overstated because it's easy to, to do the Paul Feinbaum thing and pick on him for not being as good as Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, but he's still a good college football coach and he's gotten some good results at Michigan and nothing would make me happier in some ways than people sleeping on Jim and him proving them wrong. So I hope Alex is right. Yeah. So this is kind of a tangential thing, but um, I'd like to get your feel on his, you know, overhaul or, um, you know, rebirth as a coach going in a different direction. He seems to have hired, you know, I like um, the Mike Hart hire a lot. I like the clink scale hire, um, Ron Bellamy bringing him on the staff was a good move. But uh, what do you guys think about the fact that he has poached a bunch of young guys from his brother's NFL team to specifically that team um, and, and coaches on both sides of the ball uh, to to fill out his staff? It makes sense in terms of uh, you have a very short time period to get this right. So you don't want to go in with total unknowns at the same time he had to make some changes so this is i would say a a a decent way in a way that not many people have the resources to do of uh kind of having it both ways where 
his brother is very familiar with these guys and I'm sure is quite willing to tell him what you know he feels about these coaches. Uh, and at the same time, this is a very different coaching staff from what Michigan had last year. So we'll see if it works. I am not going to pretend that I have any idea how this is going to work. Uh, I, I would lean towards, I don't think Michigan is going to be very good, but um, uh, at least by Michigan standards, but that is also largely based on uh, personnel concerns. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think given the situation I, I've been happy with, I mean, because Connor mentioned, you know, he was, uh, you know, the staring out over the water and thinking about whether he wanted to come back to Michigan and pondering his future. But, like, I've been happy that he's really thrown himself into it because it's not like the NFL was giving him other options, really. So that I was worried that there was going to be a situation where he came back in and half-assed it. Which is certainly not Harbaugh's nature, but you know when you get the kind of contract offer with that kind of buyout that um, Michigan put in front of him, where it's pretty clear that they want an out, and this was kind of uh, you know this might be sort of a patchwork year, a transition year of sorts, um, and it's that open. Uh, there are plenty of coaches who would have, I mean, there are plenty of coaches who would have quit uh, in Jim Harbaugh's situation, and so for him, even without an NFL head coaching job on the table to come back and go, all right, I'm going to throw myself into this and uh, find some new people. Uh, I think it was smart to do it with some people that he has some connections to um, while still having it be people who were not, you know, previously on his coaching staff. I'm going to go on the record and just say that every bit of Intel we've gotten about Weiss and McDonald, who are the two Ravens hires, Everyone says they're football geniuses and that they will be, you know, high level, they were on track to be high level coaches in the NFL. And they're coming out of what is clearly one of the best organizations in the whole league, um, you know, in every aspect, that being the Ravens. I, I think you have to like those hires. The only better, like, D coordinator hire that was even possible would probably have been Marcus Freeman, who was not going to come to Michigan because he had better offers. Nope. And other reasons. And, and well, and they see, oh, he's in Ohio State now too. Yeah. So I guess my point is like I think those are great hires. I think Harbaugh handled this all very well. When Linguist ditched him, which could have been a disaster, he got arguably an even better guy in Clinkscale. And I think Harbaugh deserves massive credit for what is clearly a good faith, very full effort attempt to reinvent Michigan football under his coaching tenure. I, whether it will work, I think is I think these were very very smart moves though. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, it it does seem like a strange form of nepotism that they're coming from the Ravens. But yeah, to your point, Connor, the Ravens are a good uh, organization, and John Harbaugh is a really successful NFL coach. So um, definitely could see those guys working out. Yeah, I mean, if you if you follow the NFL coaching trees, it, you know it can get a little bit risky uh, hiring guys just based on where they're coming from, but. It's definitely less risky at the coordinator and position coach level than it is hiring a guy as your head coach based on just where he coached before. So this isn't like, uh, you know, hire anybody who's ever known Sean McVay uh, to be your head coach at the NFL level type of a situation. So I think, you know, given where Michigan was at at the end of last season and where they were at when we were in this extended in-between phase with Jim Harbaugh's contract, that they're in about as good a position as you could hope for 
given those circumstances. And obviously those circumstances are extremely limiting, uh, but that's the reality of Michigan's situation right now. So at least they are making a push to make the most of, of what they've got right now. I'm going to quickly squeeze in my third reason for excitement because uh, we briefly got derailed by that conversation, although I'm glad we did. Um, my third reason is that Sparty Vengeance is very attainable. I am not a believer in Mel Tucker and his roster. So, uh, and last year was, last year's game was a disaster that even beyond what Michigan did in other games in terms of how poorly they played compared to the competition. Uh, that was not a good Michigan State team. And I, I do hope that just having a basic level of defensive coaching competence will uh, turn that rivalry back in the direction it needs to go. That would be a good vibe. And on that note, let's let's finish this podcast. Can I, can with... I throw out my, my actual third one? Oh, I yes. Mine. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. I skipped Connor. Um, I got so excited to say something about State that I thought we had already covered yours. Go for it. Oh, I just wanted to jump in and say it, this ties in perfectly to that long Harbaugh conversation we had, which is I really think it's important to remember that as deterministic and oligarchic as college football feels these days, anything can happen. And, you know, we all agree that beating Ohio State this year is very unlikely. But, and it often feels like Michigan and Michigan, like only bad surprises happen, like last year's uh, Halloween surprise for Michigan State. But uh, under Jim Harbaugh, where it feels like Michigan never wins big games sometimes, there are positive surprises. Like 2019 Notre Dame, when Michigan walloped a rising program, it's now, you know, clearly their superior in Notre Dame, just beat the stuffing out of them in the rain uh, at the big house or, you know, various prior Harbaugh uh, performances, like doing a sim- similarly taking Wisconsin behind the woodshed in 2018, which was very, very cathartic. Anything can happen. And I'm hopeful that some of the surprises that happened this year will be positive. I think that's really important to go into any season with that attitude. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, th- I think it's important to remember that Ohio State is hellaciously overdue for a bad break <laughs> that actually impacts you would the think. as well. <laughs> Could they have bad quarterback play this year? Is it even possible at this point for them? I mean, given the uh, multiple five stars competing for the job, I am leading no, but I do think Ohio State fans are getting a little bit ahead of themselves in terms of expecting the quarterback play to be like a particular level above good when you're dealing with uh, two relatively unproven guys as highly rated as they are. And there's also, you know, a little bit, you know, some shakeup on the offensive line, plenty of turnover on defense, and also some some questions particularly raised uh, in the playoff uh, and, you know, things that Ohio State people had picked up on over the season that, you know, just because Alabama's talent is much higher than what you're going to have anywhere else uh, doesn't mean that these issues can't be exploited. Ohio State fans were kind of aware that, like, you know, linebackers could be an issue and stuff like that. So, um, you know, maybe perhaps we hope that the the further away we get from the Urban Meyer era that maybe some cracks in the foundation are exposed as this uh, more fully becomes Ryan Day's program and he has to keep this thing going. So, yes, to Connor's point, anything can happen. And uh, 
we are going to hope that some of those things happen to Ohio State, please, at some point ever. <laughs> yeah, they somehow upgraded from JT Barrett, who, I mean, he didn't have the greatest arm, but he was a winner, to Dwayne Haskins, to Justin Fields. I got to think that whoever they have this year is going to be a downgrade finally, but yeah, they've they've been on a good stretch of luck, at least regionally, for, for quite a while now. If they manage to upgrade on Justin Fields from the last two years, then God help us all. Yeah. <laughs> that that's 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 just the attitude that we're gonna have to take into it. <laughs> that was a less good vibe transition than I was hoping for, but we are now gonna get to our vibes of the week. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, we're good. Connor, I will start with you because uh, I believe you have a good one. I do. Um I keep up with a lot of players on Instagram, so I can say definitively that the players have embraced the M Den jersey thing. They're very excited about the name jerseys being sold. They're excited about getting a cut. They've really been – it's kind of sweet to watch. They've been promoting each other's jerseys a lot. Um, and perhaps best of all, J.J. McCarthy, who is such a good leader at 18 that it should make the rest of us feel bad about ourselves. <laughs> he uh, He's going to donate part of the proceeds from his jersey sales to um, multiple children's hospitals, one in Ann Arbor, one in Chicago. Uh that's just there's some really nice vibes going around of like just nil not only you know already being a boon to michigan's players but the way that they're handling it is you know putting some it it, it's kind of making me feel it makes me makes me feel better about college football to know that they're having fun with it and they're getting something from for their work um it's been nice to watch yeah i mean it's got to be like the fulfillment of a, a childhood dream for a lot of these guys to see to not just have like a jersey with their name on it, but to see it sold to people that the, that people want to buy, you know, a uniform with a player's name on it, and um, that it's it's been really cool to to see athletes across college sports begin to be able to finally, you know, profit off of their likeness and, and be able to do the basic things that like anybody else in any other industry can do, especially since uh, so much money has been made off of them uh, before. So. It's it's great to see them getting theirs, and, and and that it's not just about that. It's about stuff like you know these guys supporting each other, and in JJ McCarthy's uh, case, uh, turning his popularity into something uh, really great for uh, for Mott Children's Hospital and uh, the hospital in in Chicago. So that that is that is an excellent vibe. Uh, Alex, uh, what is yours this week? So part of my strategic detachment in anticipation of the college football season is trying to enjoy the beautiful Michigan summers as best as I can. So my good vibe of the week is jumping off a pontoon boat into a lake on an 80 degree day with a nice Michigan craft brew um, waiting for you back on the boat. That's my good vibe of the week. You've got to specifically name a Michigan craft beer here. Oh man, which which one? Well, Founders... Founders low key got canceled, which that's a completely completely different story that might not be for the Bucket Problem podcast, but at least not the very end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, so I hesitate to get a Founders beer. I'll go with Grand Rabbits from Black Rock Brewery up in the UP. Um, Grand Rabbits, great cream ale, delicious, great for a summer day uh, on the boat. Nice, not, and not like the standard, you know, one of the Bell's beers that everyone throws out there when. 
people ask, what's your favorite Michigan beer? Uh, not, yeah. not that there's anything wrong with those, <laughs> but I, just, I, I appreciate getting an, an alternate answer. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Yeah. And everybody in Anna, or everybody in Grand Rapids loves Saunders, but uh, yeah, Oberon is not really the beer of summer as much as it like is the beer of anticipating summer because I can't, I can't drink that stuff for four months. I'll get a six pack in May, but <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. for me. It, it, it became, before I stopped drinking, it became more of a, uh, a, a once a year tradition and a thing that I uh, continued to do through the summer, but it, it's hard to go too wrong in Michigan with the the number of uh, good local breweries around. And if anyone th- them would like to sponsor the bucket problem, uh, the bucket problem at gmail dot com, holler. But uh, my vibe is also good, so we have a clean sweep this week. My vibe is getting into deeply into formula one and also indoctrinating my friends so this past weekend was the british grand prix and um my one of my closest childhood friends uh was in town with his fiance, and it was also an opportunity to see uh to hang out with one of my other good friends uh from growing up and uh, also from undergrad and one uh, last week we were hanging out and watching uh, there was some time between the Euro Cup final and the NBA finals that evening and I just without asking threw on Drive to Survive on Netflix as kind of a, a time killer and within about 10 minutes it went from like this is a thing that's on in the background to everybody else in the in the room asking about like oh this is sweet what is this like how does this work like uh can you explain what's going on so it, it very quickly kind of got people into it and then all of a sudden we uh got together for the sprint race on saturday and uh we couldn't get together on sunday but we were texting back and forth during it and it was also a uh, a very dramatic race uh with uh lewis hamilton uh somewhat controversially uh wiping out uh championship leader max verstappen on the very first lap um thankfully verstappen was okay and uh i, I think red bull's being a little whiny but that is uh not even this podcast, an entirely different podcast. But to have a new sport to get into, have a sport that is like televised kind of over the course of a weekend, often in the morning, which you kind of get the West Coast sports experience, except in the Eastern time zone, which is something that uh, I could get used to. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, I think it's, especially as my sleep schedule changes, having a, a nine o'clock sporting event on a weekend is pretty ideal and it is also just very cool to see race cars go extremely fast around circuits that are not just an oval so uh i've been super into it and it was very fun to indoctrinate a few friends this week so on that note we have found a a lot of ways to hopefully enjoy this season and i appreciate connor and alex both bringing it in terms of uh some legitimate reasons for optimism for Michigan football in 2021. Yes, we found them. No, they aren't bullshit. Yes, we can actually have it both ways in this case. You can be critical. You can still watch the football games and get some enjoyment. So we hope you'll uh, you'll find some ways to enjoy this football season along with us because uh, we're certainly going to be doing it. So uh, join us. And thank you for listening to The Bucket Problem. This was episode four. I just want to very quickly uh, thank everybody who has signed up so far. We have now surpassed 850 signups on the newsletter and over 1,000 Twitter followers, which has just been uh, spectacular and uh, 
really overwhelming and uh, greatly appreciated response to uh, the launch of this whole project. So um, thank you to everyone who's done that. Um, if you want to check out the site, go to www.thebucketproblem.com. Once again, use promo code bucketproblem at homefieldapparel.com. I swear we will be on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts soon. Um, thank you for listening and have a good one.